he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay well hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where each week more or less i queen out on all the acting choices micro moments and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker i continue to know you only as barbara bel gettys and this week first things first this week I was testing my microphone earlier, and I recorded this little ditty, and she's testing, she's testing, and she's testing, and she's testing, she's testing, and I was going to delete it. I normally always, you know, delete those little moments, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I just was like, mm, what, what a beat, what a bop. Summer's almost over, but I got time to be this year's song of the summer, I think. I'm just saying. Um, other than that, it is the middle of summer. And I'm not going to talk about the fact that I've turned all the fans off. It's actually not that hot in my apartment today. So I don't really know why I'm talking about it at all, actually, because who wants to hear about the weather? Um, So here's what I want to talk about today. More importantly, there's two things. One, I think we're going to have a a limited but ongoing series, which is going to be um, some updates on Broadchurch as I continue watching Broadchurch, which I think I'd said in my last episode, I, I... Um, without exaggeration, would consider to be one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I've now only seen the first season and three or four episodes of the second season. So my thoughts on what I've seen so far in season two, especially when it comes to the acting, and all of the women, so many women, Broadchurch is just like upping its game with women and is also displaying some solid men. There is a a specific best supporting actor that I want to highlight, but we'll get to him in a second. Our main feature today, I want to talk about my other new obsession that I know I'm behind the whole world on, which of course is, is, I was going to say Broadchurch, it's like, oh my gosh, we're going in circles here, is Schitt's Creek, which I, I don't know why it took me so long. It's one of those things, right? I'm sure you have one of those shows or one of those movies where you're like, this has every element of something that I want to see. This has, let's let's use Schitt's Creek as an example, right? It's got Catherine O'Hara. Okay, so I mean, like, basically, my my cupeth runneth over alreadyeth with Catherine O'Hara. It's already, but then on top of it, it's Canadian. I mean, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love anything Canadian. I, there's something about Canada. There's something about Canadians. If you're listening and you're Canadian, I don't even know you, and I like you a little bit more than everybody else. And I apologize to everybody else. I like you a lot, but you get it. So, so there's that, there's that, um, Dan Levy, who of course is like, you know, sort of the mastermind behind this in some ways, he's written episodes, directed it, um, obviously stars in it and not to be shallow, but is like really cute. Um, but that's, you know, besides the point, that's an appeal, but like, you know, uh, you don't, you don't eat the peel of the banana, you know what I'm, something, I don't know, something like that. Maybe I'll, maybe that I'll edit out, but, uh, he's, the character that he plays, David, I, 
I have grown to really see and understand, especially as we get into like season four. I'm like, oh, David, I know you. I see you. I hear you. And I validate you. But who I really want to talk about today and one scene I want to isolate today. And I'll let you know now up front in case you want to like listen to that part later. You want to watch the scene first. You want to, I mean, you, it's kind of a spoiler if you haven't seen Schitt's Creek because it's from like the fourth season. But I want to specifically talk about Alexis, um, played by Annie Murphy in Schitt's Creek. And the character I least expected to kind of fall in love with and who I think is potentially the funniest character on the show. And that's a huge statement with the aforementioned Catherine O'Hara on the scene. But we will get to that. I just want you to know what we're in for. I want to just give you an update, just a brief, um, you know, tallying of my thoughts so far on our return to the haunted, not really haunted, but haunting shores of Broadchurch. Oh my God. As you may know, if you listen to my Fun Mom Broadchurch episode, in which I did, in fact, talk about Broadchurch at some point, but only after discussing Fun Mom Dinner at length, uh, I finally got on the Broadchurch bandwagon after realizing, really, not discovering, but realizing Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, like so many other people. And, oh my God, season one, it was... It was like the most perfect season of television. It was great. And in some ways, I would kind of almost be fine if there was no sequel, if there's no follow-up, no second season. The story kind of wraps up enough where you're like, okay, well, I guess that's what happened. But I think the second season from what I've seen so far is going in directions that watching the first season I would have never expected. Like, I'm trying not to spoil it if you haven't seen it at all, but honestly, like... Let this be a winning endorsement for Broadchurch. It's on Netflix. It put on the put on the subtitles. You'll be fine. It is. It, it's just brilliant. Anyway, where season one ends, it's kind of like okay. Well, that we, we know who the murderer was. We kind of you know we can kind of deduce the aftermath from here. There and there's kind of a I don't want to say uplifting ending, but sort of you know there's a sort of uh, kind of reminds me of Midsummer. There's a sense of ritual, you know, uh, to to deal with these feelings and so the second season though just like it's as if all of those bonfires at the end of season one got doused in lighter fluid and the whole place just went up in flames everything goes to shit in the second season it's my thoughts are this i again trying to be you know what i'm not going to try to be spoiler no I will try to be spoiler free. I will. I will. Because there's a good chance you haven't seen it. And I don't want you to be like, oh, I can't listen to this episode. I'll focus on the acting. I won't talk about the story. I'll just focus on the acting. And let's just like, let's just get to the heart of the matter. Olivia Coleman is what we're seeing in the second season. Again, to compare to, to her performance in the first season, which is amazing, but really kind of explodes in the last episode. The The depth of of Ellie Miller that we see in the second season and the grief that she carries. There's almost this kind of like Hester Prynne, Scarlet Letter quality about her. And it's, it's really, I mean, I think I had heard someone talk about like just Olivia Coleman's sad face, almost as if it's like a meme. And I can certainly say it is on full display in season two. 
the first episode of season two is, I mean, what I really appreciated about the first season was how quickly the first episode kind of gets you into the mix of things. Like I was a little worried or my preconceived notion was it was going to take me a bit of time to kind of get into broad church. I, I just had this idea that it was going to be, I don't know, this like stuffy Miss Marple situation where I was going to have to be like, what, what, what's going, who, who is this? Who is, what's the constable? Like, I don't know. I'm just being really like ignorant. And, and yet it kind of propels you into the story immediately. And so similarly, the second season propels you back into the story immediately. And you're already on the edge of your seat, like five minutes into the season. Like already it's like, oh shit, oh shit. Because it's all starting with the trial. And the direction that it goes, you just like do not, I, I did not see coming. And as that's all developed, as that's all unfolded, it's just like, holy shit. It becomes this commentary so much more about the, you know, I don't know, the legal system and about lawyers and about manipulating stories and about manipulating people's uh, perceptions of the truth and about kind of laying out the evidence, so to speak, and saying, well, it could tell this story or it could tell that story. And realizing that this is like a real thing, that that happens. We've seen this happen. I mean, you could say that the O.J. Simpson trial was like that, that it was so much about, well, here's all the evidence, but the story could either be seen this way or that way, and we're able to have it tell this story. You know, I don't know. I guess it depends on what whether you think he did it or not. But didn't he write a book called If I Did It? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. And the if is in, like, really little font. Anyway, so... <laughs> Anyway, so like I think we've seen this happen in real life, so it's really interesting in that sort of law and order way where law and order will take a real-life scenario like cyberbullying or I don't know something, and they'll put it into their narrative. I think Broadchurch is doing that in a much more long-form way. And so that's been really fascinating, but what has come with that is some really exciting casting in season two. Um, I don't think I've talked about Fleabag at all on in the details. I think we talked about it in like a Matreon episode of... All right, Mary, that may not even be out yet by the time that this comes out. So let me just say here and in the details that I have watched. I'm about I'm, I'm a similar way through Fleabag as I am through Broadchurch. I'm about a season and a half through. And I am loving in both shows what is happening in season two and how the story is opening up and what's, what the characters are being given to do and what they're facing in the second season. Um. Of course, Olivia Coleman is in both of those shows, as is uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge playing totally different characters. Of course, in Fleabag, she's, a, you know, Fleabag. Uh, she's the main character. And in Broadchurch, she's essentially the killer's lawyer, or at some point, you know, is the killer's lawyer, or the supposed, the suspect's lawyer. And then I think um, is sort of the assistant to the lawyer who gets hired, who, of course, is played by Marion Jean Baptiste, who is, uh, I remember seeing her, I, I was most familiar with her from Secrets and Lies, uh, that Mike Lee movie with Brenda Blevin. And so, and I've seen her in like a bunch of things, but that's what I always think of when I think of her. I think alongside that, Charlotte Rampling joins the season, uh, which was kind of like a, I think I'd read that somewhere. So when she showed up, it wasn't as much of a, of a whoa as it was like, oh yeah, 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 she's in this. And she is... I'm trying to think of other things I've seen her in, just sort of a name that I know. And for whatever reason, whenever I think of her, I think of this m movie that I haven't seen that she was in in the 70s. It's this like weird, like, 
twisted Nazi romance thing. I think it's called The Night Porter. We can look it up right now because I keep IMDb open so we can look things up. So let's do it together. I should, you know, I can always edit all this vamping out. Um, But sometimes it's nice to feel like, oh, yeah, look at us. Look at us looking things up on IMDb together. How romantic. How fun. Isn't this just the fantasy? Just trolling IMDb together. This is something that I feel like I've done for the most of my life. Um, is is search people's filmographies on IMDb and then go down that rabbit hole. So let's see. What was she in? Am I going to find it? The Night Porter. Yeah, she was in The Night Porter, which, just so you know what I'm talking about, it was the description from IMDb is from 1974. After a chance meeting at a hotel in 1957, Holocaust survivor Lucia, played by Charlotte Rampling, and Nazi officer Max, played by Dirk Bogard, who tortured her, resume their sadomasochistic relationship. Uh, again, this is one of those movies I have not seen. I just, I think I probably read that description somewhere on a horror movie blog, you know, years ago, and then just cataloged that as like, oh, okay, that's how I know Charlotte Rampling. So I guess that's always in my mind, you know, watching her now in in Broadchurch. is like, okay, well, she's done that. She's done a lot of other things as well. Oh, yeah, and she was in the swimming pool as well. That's what I always think of. And, of course, when I think of the swimming pool, I think of Joe Beth Williams in The Poltergeist going, the swimming pool, the swimming pool. Oh, my. My God. The swimming pool. The swimming pool. The swimming pool. But now we are going down an IMDb rabbit hole together, and I don't want to do that to us. So anyway, here's what I want to say about Charlotte Rampling, and here's something I'd be curious to hear other people's opinions on who have seen Broadchurch. Is she giving a great performance, or is she giving a terrible performance? And I can't believe I'm asking that about Broadchurch, which is a show that I think is uniformly well-made. There's very little about it where I'm like, "Mm, that didn't really work. You know, like, for example, I could say season one, the the psychic guy, the guy who got the visions and knew about the boat and whatnot, he, it didn't really amount to anything, right? It was kind of an interesting subplot that didn't really add to anything. So there's something I could question about Broadchurch, right? So similarly, I, um, I'm just wondering if she's actually kind of wooden in Broadchurch in season two. Whereas I think Marianne Jean-Baptiste is great. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is great. But who I also really want to just highlight, who I mentioned before, is like the best supporting actor of Broadchurch. And of course, like I'm looking it up and I'm like, oh God, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. But it's Mark Latimer. It's Danny's father, um, played by, I'm going to say it's Andrew Buchan or Bouchon, B-U-C-H-A-N. This always happens. It can't just be like Joe Smith, you know? Wasn't he the guy who founded the Mormon religion? Ugh, I should do an episode about Mormons. Then I could say Joe Smith. Anyway, Mark, it's rare where I'm like, oh, wow, the guy. Oh, ooh, an interesting male performance. But he has been, his performance of grief in season one into season two has been so fascinating. And I especially love, there's, I just saw, the most, I think it was the third episode of season two with, minor spoiler with his newborn baby daughter there is this really beautiful moment that just like i really appreciate what he's doing there's he's able to play this kind of gruff exterior this this you know plumber in broad church you know what i mean like he's able to kind of just be that blokey kind of guy and then have these really emotionally informed moments as well and 
uh, he of course also has some great, you know, grief rage moments. And there's this awful thing that I think as I am tiptoeing around some spoilers, what happens at the end of the first episode of season two, which I was like, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. This can't be happening. You'll see it. His reaction to that is just chilling. And I, I really, I appreciate really him going to a 27 as well. He and Olivia Coleman and uh, Jodie Whittaker. She, uh, she has some great moments in season two. I'm, I'm really enjoying kind of what her character is going through. And I feel like there's a real interesting arc there with her and Ellie that I'm excited to watch unfold. But let's switch gears from one incredibly depressing place to live to another potentially incredibly depressing place to live. And let's talk about Schitt's Creek. Um, and specifically, as I said uh, at the top of the episode, Alexis. If you're not familiar with Schitt's Creek, if you don't know what it's about, if you don't know anything of what I'm talking about, you are even further behind on the times than I am. I am not going to give you a history of what Schitt's Creek is. How do you not know? Uh, the most exciting thing, or I would say why maybe, my, my episodes are so rarely relevant. I mean, Broadchurch isn't even on television anymore. It, the, the third season has aired. I think it's over. So I don't really need to be timely, but it is somewhat timely for me to be talking about Schitt's Creek because it's finally getting recognized at the Emmys this year. I think it's been nominated for Best Comedy, and Catherine O'Hara has been nominated for Best Actress in a Comedy. Uh, I think that she has stiff competition in Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who you may remember from earlier in this podcast, from being on Broadchurch. Of course, she's not nominated for Broadchurch, because as we've discussed already, that's not on television anymore. But she has been nominated, obviously, for Fleabag. And I really think, especially after watching season two or getting into season two, I think that she is the one to beat. I feel like it's very possible that Julia Louis-Dreyfus will get it because it's the last season of Veep. You know, I'm not a big Veep fan. I'm not against it. But, you know, I have to say, I would love to just celebrate Catherine O'Hara here. I'd love to just pinpoint all of her moments. She's she's doing crowd-pleasing work. Like, I kind of feel like that is such a hook, I think, for so many people with this show is just like, the masterclass that, uh, that she's doing in this show. It's kind of just this reminder. Catherine O'Hara, who's been around forever, I kind of feel like for people my age, you know, it's like you feel like you know her because we've all seen Home Alone so many times and she's a mom in that. And like sidebar, my if my memory serves me, and it'd be worth going back maybe doing like a proper Catherine O'Hara episode, is that she is giving a great performance in Home Alone. Maybe even Home Alone 2. Like, I think that she's lending some, dare say, gravitas to that movie that um, the the home invasion scene isn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would be willing to go back and look at the Home Alone movies and just look at Catherine O'Hara's performance. But let's focus on the matter at hand. I don't want to get on a whole tangent. I, I want to focus in on this one scene from Season 4, Episode 7, which is The Barbecue. So, of course, if you haven't seen Schitt's Creek, I, there's probably some plot spoilers in here. It involves the character of Ted, who, if you've watched an earlier season, you may know differently from how you know him in season four. So I guess all of this to say is there's no way to talk about this scene without talking about spoilers. So hopefully you are already familiar and a fan of Schitt's Creek. And if not, I mean, it's not like it's broad church. You know, there's no real mystery here. It'll be fine. So here's the story, obviously. Um, 
if you don't know, is that Alexis receives a text from Ted, who, of course, is now they're broken up. He's with Heather. And he, she gets a text from him saying, I'm more of a bagel guy with a winky face. And so it's probably very, you know, I think it's supposed to be very obvious from the start that this text was not meant for her and it was just an accident. But Alexis, who realizing that she still has very strong feelings for Ted, is insistent that this is some kind of hint or sign or way of connecting, you know, some kind of little like, oh, you know, I accidentally sent that to you. But really, he was just trying to find a reason to reconnect with her. So at the advice of some other character who moves along a different plot in the show, but we're not going to get into that, she goes down to the veterinarian's office where Ted works to talk to him and ask him about the text. And the scene that follows, and I here's the thing, like I'm going to play it, but I really think that this loses a lot of oomph if you're not seeing all of the facial work that she's doing or you're not seeing all the little gesture, gestures that she's doing. I would say in some ways, and I know this is a very big statement for people who feel like this reference makes sense, but I think that she's doing like Barbara Harris level work in the scene. I think she's doing all these little mannerisms and little undirectable like nuances that I think are really, I don't know, it's just very exciting to kind of watch her make these choices that, that don't feel like acting and they all feel really informed. Like I'll mention a few of them that I love, but just so that you have a sense of reference, I'll play here just the audio of this clip in full. And I'll go back and I'll point out the things that I love the most about it. Alexis. Hey. Hey. I was in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd just pop in and say hey. I was going to send a text, but I um, thought it'd be better if I just came in. I'm glad you did. I'm also glad I did. It's good to see you. It's also good to see you. Well, I just wanted to say, hey, and I'm here, and I got your text. What text? The text. D did I send a text? Maybe. No, maybe you didn't. Did you? I'm not sure. What, uh, what, what did it say? Nothing. I don't think it said anything now that I think about it. Um, no, something about like you being more of a bagel guy. Oh my God, did that... I send that to you? No, I don't think so. Oh my gosh, I did. No, did you though? I I'm sorry, that, that wasn't supposed to be sent to you. <sighs> Hello, dummy. Why do you think I'm here? I'm here to tell you to be careful because with those texts, those texts in the wrong hands. Yeah, it was, it was actually meant for Heather. Heather, yes, yes. You and Hev and the bagels. Yeah, she was just asking if she should pick up scones or bagels. Okay. Anyway, now we know, now we know. You should have just texted. You didn't have to come all the way down here. Well, no, um, as I was saying, I was in the area. So I just wanted to pop in and see the look on your face when you realized that you'd sent the text to the wrong person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, hey, I'm, I'm sorry if, if I haven't been in touch as much recently. Oh my God, please, please. Um, I should get out of your hair. But it was good to see you, Mr. Bagel. <laughs> that's, um, that's a you and Heather thing. But now that you texted me, it's kind of like an all of us thing. So have a great afternoon today. So obviously when you, when you watch this clip, you'll see, or I want you to notice the way that she kind of figures out how to knock on the filing cabinet when she walks in. Like there's choices being made in there. 
and she's doing Alexis does these like T-Rex arms it's just kind of like common gesture that she does in the show and the use of them here where she's kind of holding three fingers with the other hand um, that sort of way that it, it's it's sort of a acute nervous um, ten, tension I guess yeah I guess that's the best way to put it is there's sort of this like cute nervous tension and oh there's sirens in the background of course it's very sweet I kind of I feel like when you see it as well, you'll see like the way Ted's face lights up when he sees her. It's a real, it's a cute relationship. I, I, I kind of love the two of them together. I'm assuming eventually it'll work itself out. I haven't finished season four yet. So, um, you know, no spoilers, you know, ironically enough. So the other thing I love, you know, going into this that I want to mention is when she finally gets to the point of saying like that she got the text and he says, Oh, what text? And the, and she does the text then she kind of like shakes her head and kind of it she says it as if it's this like sort of precious ritual it's kind of like you know like the the makeout point we go to you know the or or some special dish that they make together you know the the paella you know i don't know like is that a wine country throwback i don't know but i just think there's some really interesting choice the way there the way that she signals to him what she's talking about of like hey you know this special thing we have what? Text. The text. Did I send a text? And then when when Ted kind of confirms, oh, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, that text was for you. I don't remember. Did I, what, what did I send? I don't remember texting you. And she the place that she chooses to go to of like, oh, um, I don't know. Was there a text? Like she, she goes to such an absurd place and he asks, well, what did it say? And she looks at him with these like wide eyes and says, nothing. Um, I'm not, I don't think it said anything. Like it's so... It's so absurd. Did I send a text? Maybe. No, maybe you didn't. Did you? I'm not sure. What, uh, what, what did it say? Nothing. I don't think it said anything now that I think about it. Um, no, something about like you being more of a bagel guy. Oh my God, did like, I send that to you? No, I don't think so. Oh my gosh, I did. No, did you though? She knows that she's painted herself into a corner, but I... I appreciate the commitment to it. And then she she kind of gives in. And what I love here, and she does this a few times in like really great little moments, is the way that she plays with her hair. It's this really great gesture that I kind of feel like signals like, it's just like a, another layer of like cute nervous tension, you know? So she has this moment of like, I don't know, it was like uh, something about like not being a bagel guy. And like, that's where she kind of like turns and touches her ponytail. And I know that, like, again, it's, like, such a micro moment, but it says a lot. And there's another moment later where it says, like, so much. Because then, of course, then he says, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, that text wasn't for you. And so she pivots and is like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, duh, I, I figured that wasn't for me. Like, she uh, she kind of, like, tries to turn it into this place of, like, I just wanted to warn you. Like, hey, you sent the wrong, you know, sent the text to the wrong person, um, and he said, yeah, no, that's supposed to be for Heather. And Heather, of course, is his girlfriend now. Hello, dummy. Why do you think I'm here? I'm here to tell you to be careful because with those texts, those texts in the wrong hands. Yeah, it was, it was actually meant for Heather. Heather, yes, yes. You and Hev and the bagels. Yeah, I just love that. I love the way that she says, of course, Heather, you and Hev and the bagels. Like the, I don't know, like the, the sound, the way that she says bagels is great. And so then he, of course, then says that thing about like, oh, he's just trying to, you know, 
basically reiterating the conversation to her. And that's where she, this this hair gesture thing happens again. Yeah, she was just asking if she should pick up scones or bagels. Anyway, now we know. Now we know. And where she does that anyway, now we know. And like, again, she touches her hair. And it's such like a, it's a really interesting dismissal. Like, nope, don't want to hear any of that. No, we're good. It's all set. And I think that is, I, I love that note. I love because what that kind of tells me and I know that feeling of like oh you have hit a sore spot oh you have hit some note that like that goes right to a nerve I don't even want to go there let's let's rebound out of that and it's uh, really clever how quickly she kind of signals that and of course I love when she's kind of re-explaining like why she didn't just text him of like well I just wanted to see your face when you sent the text to the wrong person and she like when you see it or if you've seen it she like puts her her hands on her face it's actually very home alone in a way you know like when kevin screams but she kind of does that with like eek oh no you sent it to the wrong person and it's like it's it's incredible how she has zigzagged to every possible response you know that she can think of to kind of wriggle her way out of that room and just like these sort of like awkward moments where it's just like making sounds and making faces you should have just texted. You didn't have to come all the way down here. Well, no, um, as I was saying, I was in the area. So I just wanted to pop in and see the look on your face when you realized that you'd sent the text to the wrong person. Uh, I like, <laughs> <laughs> um. But I think the exit is really like the just, I don't know, the sprinkles on the cupcake when... Um, when she when she does a good to see you, Mr. Bagel, and she does this like weird pointy thing. Um, I should get out of your hair, but it was good to see you, Mr. Bagel. <laughs> that's um, that's a you and Heather thing. But now that you texted me, it's kind of like an all of us thing. So have a great afternoon today. And that that moment of like, well, I know that's a you and Heather thing, but since you texted me, now it's a kind of you and me and Heather thing. And she does this like big open like wah mouth. And that, that line of like, well, have a good afternoon today. And then she ducks out the door. The timing on that is so perfect. It's, it's, I don't know. There's something so endearing about all of it. It's, it's, it's not even cringy. I think that's what I really love about this is that it is vaguely cringy, but it's just so endearing. And I think maybe it's because there's kind of this energy of like, well, I think Ted's maybe still in love with her too, you know? And so it's not treated the same way we might see a scene like this in Pen15, where it really is about that like bold-faced rejection. So I'm very excited to kind of see how Alexis continues to evolve and what happens this season. I mean, season four, I've gotten, it's gotten to the point now where like, much not to my chagrin but just to my surprise like that shit's creek is hitting emotional nerves certainly the david and patrick relationship certainly david's lip sync of the best by tina turner is uh, this it's just great it's like oh this is oh this is some great this is a great queer moment on television i want this to be like in a clip show somewhere so I think that's in the episode, The Olive Branch, which might be the, it's like one or two episodes after the barbecue. Season four has just been so good. So if you are not watching Schitt's Creek, you know, this is something you have to look forward to in three and a half seasons. If you are watching it, you should go back and watch the scene and just like watch all the little nuances that she's hitting. And if you already know exactly what I'm talking about and you love the scene, then I want to hear from you and I want to know what you love about her and about it. 
and about Schitt's Creek and about Broadchurch and any other little nuance, um, micro moment or magic in the minutia that you want to share with me. Um, the easiest way to do that is to reach out to me at inthedetailspod at gmail.com or to contact me on Twitter at Colin Drucker or on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And um, yeah, don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you. If you email me, I'm totally going to email you back. Like, it makes my day. So I love to talk about this shit. So obviously, because I have like a whole podcast about it. Um, anyway, that is it for this week. I think next week I keep, I keep throwing around when am I going to do the desert monologue from the comeback? When am I going to do this scene from Fosse Verdon? I, I was going to do one of those today, but I just couldn't get Alexis out of my head. And so, uh, you know, you got to go with what sparks joy. All right. Uh, anyway, that is all for me. I will see you next week or somewhere in that time period or maybe even sooner if you are binging these at a clip for more uh, micro moments, more nuances, more broad church, more references to Joe Beth Williams and Poltergeist, maybe some more talk of Brenda Vaccaro. It's been a while. And, um, you know, we'll see where the, where, <laughs> where the night takes us. All right, that's all. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.